0: Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Happy Sunday, everybody! Oh, the sun is shining and it's such a wonderful day out there. It just uplifts our spirit and just makes us think that spring is right around the corner and the the tulips will be coming out of the ground and the buds will be coming on the trees. And oh, that springtime is so glorious. Although, I hate to say it, spring is one of my least favorite times because of all the mud that's out there that we've got to drag through. But outside of that, the beauty of spring is just totally awesome. This morning in our gospel reading, though, we have a blind man. And there's a lot of different things we're going to talk about in our reading for today that can be actually applied in our everyday life. The miracle described in these verses is rich in instruction. It was one of the great works which was witnessed that Christ had, was sent of the Father. Now, the story of the blind man, the root of the story, has several shoots that come forth. And these shoots can compare to us of everyday life compared to what this blind man went through. We see, for one thing in this passage, the importance of diligence in the use of means. We are told of a certain blind man who sat by the wayside begging. Now, think about that for a moment. He could have been sitting at home. He could have been feeling sorry for himself. But had he been sitting at home, would he have received his sight? No. He went out, and he's basically begging for help. I want to be able to see, so I'm going to go out. And he's at the wayside. And then all this commotion starts coming up, and he asks, well, what's going on? And they said, Jesus is passing by. Now this blind man heard about Jesus. And he says, you know, and he's basically begging to be with Jesus, to ask him for help. In our everyday life, we are to come to God. We are to go to God. We are to receive his salvation. We are to receive his grace. In Hebrews 10.25, it says, Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. You see, we are to meet together and not sit at home. And I know that some days it's, it's easier to sit at home than to try to get ourselves dressed up and get ready for church to be with God and with our friends and our neighbors and our fellow brothers and sisters We do not want to be sitting idly at home, though. We want to go about. Several times in the scripture, it talks about people who are gathering to talk about God. To talk about Jesus. And I know some days we kind of get, or some people, I should say, get a little upset if the sermon goes over 15 minutes. There's this humorous story that I found in the book of Acts. Ironically, his name was Paul, too. (laughs) In Acts 20, you talk about Paul preaching. He was preaching so long that somebody fell out of a window three stories up to his death. Let's read here in Acts 20, that little interesting story. On the first day of the week, we came together to break bread. Paul spoke to the people, and because he intended to leave the next day, he kept on talking until midnight. Now, there were many lamps in the upstairs room where they were meeting. Seated in a window was a young man named Eutychus, who was sinking into a deep sleep as Paul talked on and on. When he was sound asleep, he fell to the ground from the third story and was picked up dead. Paul went down, threw himself on the young man, and put his arms around him. Don't be alarmed, he said. He's alive. Then he went back upstairs and broke bread and ate. After talking until daylight, Paul then left. The people took the young man home alive and were greatly comforted. How would you like to be at a sermon for 24 hours? And you think, my 15 minutes gets long? Well, Paul was going on another mission, and he didn't have a lot of time, so he basically was there, and he just, you know, kept on talking and talking. You know, really, the, the more we listen about God, the more excited we should be about hearing his message. You know, listening to God's word should not be limited to a certain amount of time Listening to God's word should inspire us and make us want more and more and more. As a matter of fact, when we leave here from church, we should go home and even want more. Look in the scriptures and and praise God and give him all the glory. Another thing that we see in our gospel reading for today is an example of our duty in the matter of prayer. Prayer. We are told that when this blind man heard that Jesus of Nazareth was passing by, he cried saying, Jesus, you son of David, have mercy on me. And we're told further that some people were telling him, shh, quiet know, don't be yelling, quiet down. But that only made him cry all the more. He was even louder in his cry to Jesus. He felt his need and he found the words to tell his story. He was not going to be stopped by the rebuke of the people. He wanted to see Jesus and he was going to see Jesus one way or the other. Although at that time he was blind so he wouldn't be seeing him. He got what I mean though. He wanted to to talk to Jesus. He knew though in his faith that if he seen Jesus, he would be healed and he would receive his bl- sight when the blind man did on beh- what the blind man did on behalf of his body ailment though is surely our burden duty on behalf of our souls you see our need is far greater than that of the blind man see we have this disease this disease is called sin And it's far more grievous than the lack of sight. How bad is this sin? In Romans 3 10 through 18, we read, As it is written, there is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. Their throats are open graves. Their tongues practice deceit. The poison of vipers is on their lips. Their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Ruin and misery mark their ways. And the way of peace they do not know. There is no fear of God before their very eyes. See, the tongue that can find words to describe the necessities of the bodies can surely find ways of finding ways to soothe our soul. Because we can pray to God. We can go to Him. We can give Him all the glory and all the praise and give Him thanks. Praying is our communications link with God. This blind man was praying, Lord, have mercy on me. There's also the, the story in the, in the Bible where the, the Pharisee and there's this poor man, they were praying, and the Pharisee's up there, he's, he's praying, do not, let, do not want to be like this poor man over here. And the poor man is over here praying and saying, Lord, I'm not worthy begging for forgiveness. How bad are we supposed to pray? How earnestly are we supposed to pray? Think about how Jesus prayed. In Acts twenty-two forty-four. And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. When Jesus was praying, he prayed with his whole self, with his whole being. I think we take prayer perhaps a little bit too casually and we should really be prayerful and just get our bodies and our minds into God. We see another thing in this passage is about Christ's kindness. You see, God will, you know, when we pray and ask for forgiveness, God will grant it for us. You know, we are told that this blind man continued crying for mercy. Even though he was told told to be quiet, he wasn't going to be quiet. Even though, right before our gospel reading for today, Jesus was telling his disciples how he was going to be going to his death. He could think about that being on his heart and on his mind, that he was going to his death on his way to that point in his life. And yet he stopped to talk to this blind man. And then Jesus asked the question, What do you want me to do for you? Very interesting question. Jesus already knew what he wanted, but he wanted to hear it from the blind man. Jesus wants to hear from us as well. He knows what we need, but he wants to hear it from us. Through prayer, through communications with him. In the old American West, before the days of credit cards, a shopkeeper would maintain a ledger book of all the activities of each customer's account and the amount that was owed. The business owner knew his customers well and the work in which they were involved. A customer would at times send others to the store to get stuff that they needed at the business or at home, like they might send maybe their kids in. See, the but the shop owner would know who the kids were and who was working for who, and so he would give them, extend the credit to them. But if somebody came in and wanted to extend buy something in somebody else's name and he didn't recognize them, the purchase would be denied. See, coming to God in Jesus' name is similar to those old financial transactions. Jesus holds the account. And we are welcome to come to the Father in Jesus' name to receive what we need. The Father grants our request because of Jesus' standing. And of course, if we're asking for things that we don't need, you know, we have a tendency to, oh Lord, I'm going to go get a lottery ticket. Let that be the winner. No, that's not what God is talking about. In James 4.3, when you ask, do not, and you do not receive because you are asking with wrong motives that you may spend what you have, what, you, what you, you would get on your pleasures. So he's talking about, hey, you know, wrong motives. All you want to do is get stuff for your own pleasures. No, that's not what it's about. It's about meeting our needs. What do we need versus what do we want? There, those are the two things in our lives. Do we need this or do we want it? This blind man, asks, or he, asks, he answers the question that Jesus had asked. What do you want me to do? And he says, Lord, I want to see Jesus said unto him, Receive your sight, your faith has saved you. Now think about that blind man. He's probably not a very strong Christian. Just a poor ordinary individual, mixed with much imperfection, but yet he had enough faith in him to know that asking and God for his sight and it would be granted to him. Passages like these in the Gospels are intended for a special comfort of all who feel that their sins are heavy and burdensome, and we just have to go to God and let it go. There are a number of stories in the Bible of people who have done wrong, and yet God had used them Or whatever the circumstances might be. For example, I got several examples here. Paul, before he was Paul, he was Saul. He was a ruthless crusader on stopping the growth of Christianity at any cost by putting them in prison, destroying churches, and even overseeing their murders. He was so zealous in the Jewish faith that he wanted to eradicate Christians completely. That is, until God revealed himself to Saul on the road to Damascus and his life would be forever changed and transformed. It was there he became the great Apostle Paul, one of the greatest soldiers of Christ, dedicating his entire life to spreading the message about Jesus Christ. King David one of the most highly revered and important characters in the Bible. He triumphed over a lion, a bear, and a giant. God even used him to lead his people during a very difficult time. But even as a man after God's own heart, David had a history of making mistakes. In fact, he broke half of the Ten Commandments. Those of which include murder, lying, adultery, coveting a neighbor's wife, and even stealing another man's wife. Even though his sins were many, he turned to God, confessed his sins, and asked for forgiveness, and God forgave him. Even the great Moses had a troubling past before God called him to lead his people. When he was 40 years old, he became incensed when he discovered an Egyptian taskmaster beating a Hebrew slave. So he killed him and buried him in the sand. Instead of dealing with the consequences of being found out, he fled Egypt and began a new life. Despite that murder, God used Moses to lead 2 million Israelites out of Egypt and eventually into the Promised Land. Tamar left her family at a young age to marry into the family of Judah. Now in these times, a woman's value was determined by her offspring, but she was unable to conceive with her first husband, Ur. So God struck him down, and she married a second brother, Onan. Onan refused to conceive with Tamar, so God punished him, and he also died. By law, Tamar then married a third brother and was still unable to conceive. Faced with the fear of being childless childless and a destitute, she set out for justice herself. She dressed as a prostitute, she coerced her father-in-law Judah to have sex with her, and she bore twin sons. While her actions were unethical and she almost lost her life for it, one of her sons, was the ancestor of King David, a direct lineage to Christ. Even though with the foresight of having Jesus' prediction, how about Peter? Not once, not twice, but three times he denied knowing Jesus. Nevertheless, God forgave Peter and reaffirmed his faith. He repented and continued to share the good news, even until his death. Now you talk about running. You're trying to run away from God. How about Jonah? Jonah was given instructions to go to Nivea to tell people to repent of their sins. And what did Jonah do? He went the other direction. He got into a boat. He was going to get out of there. He didn't want to go to Nivea. One thing about God, you can't run from him. You can't hide from him. He will find you. And he caused a storm. And the people in the boat finally figured out who was the culprit, and they threw him over off the off the boat. And then the seas went calm. But then a whale got him. But while he was inside the whale, he begged God to forgive him. And the Lord listened. And then Jonah went back to Nibia and told the people to repent of their sins. You see, I'm sure many times in our lives, maybe we have felt that we have tried to hide from God, but God will always find us. God grants us forgiveness. God gives us the faith. God gives us grace. See, we need to glorify God all the time. Grateful love is the true spring of real obedience to Christ. Men will never take up the cross and confess that Jesus before the world and lived Him until they feel indebted to Him. We should be indebted to Jesus Christ for what He has done for us. We're coming up close to Easter. Coming up close to when Jesus will be on trial. Coming up close to the time when Jesus will be tormented. Why? Because he loved us. Because of everything that we have done, Jesus knew he had to do that for us so that our sins are forgiven. So that we can have the promise of everlasting life. I tell you, you know, we have the Christmas season. We have Christmas, you know, in the birth of Jesus Christ, which is great and wonderful. But I think the Resurrection is yet the most important thing that ever happened because He defeated death. He defeated death, so we have the promise of not having, you know, because death, there's two deaths. There's the physical death that we have, then there's that spiritual death that will be thrown into the lake of fire. Jesus defeated the devil. He defeated death. He rose from the dead. And said, I am still alive. I have defeated death for all my brothers and sisters so they can all come with me up into heaven. Just as uh, he told the thief on the cross, today you will be with me in paradise. There's another example of another person who was not a Christian, But yet he realized who Jesus Christ was. He rebuked the other thief who was mocking him. And Jesus rewarded him with everlasting life. My friends, this blind man that we have in our story for today... If we're going to be saved, we have to take action. James talks about that as well in the book of James about, you know, if our faith, we might have faith, but if it doesn't show forth fruit, it doesn't do us any good. This blind man left his home and he went out there on the wayside to talk or to be with around people. Maybe somebody would help, but he never gave up hope. Never, ever gave up hope. Because if he gave up hope, he would have stayed home. He didn't. <coughs> Likewise, you know, for, for many people, you know, that they, they have given up hope. They have lost their sense of well-being with God because they have failed to pray and communicate with God. And you don't ever want to give up. Remember the persistent widow who was before the judge. Jesus used that as an example about prayer. She went to the judge and went back and went back and went back, and finally he says, fine, I'll take care of you, I will give you what you need for justice. We too are supposed to be persistent in our prayers, asking for the things that we need because God wants to hear from us. Jesus asked, what do you want? Jesus already knew, but he still asked the question, what do you want? And he's asking each one of us, what do you want? What do we want? blind man says, I want to be able to see. For us, we want to be able to see the kingdom of God. That's what we want to see. And it is by our faith that we're going to be able to see the kingdom of God. We're all full of errors. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. Those several people that we talked about here, they all made mistakes. We have all made mistakes. but we still ask for forgiveness and God will forgive. That's the most amazing thing that our God can do for us. Think of how amazing that is. He could have left us. He could have said, "I don't want nothing to do with that planet Earth." That's it's bad. He could have abandoned us instead of flooding the planet. And even after that, all the things that happened after the flood, even then, people went back to being sinful. But he never abandoned us. And he never will. Because we are his children. A little bit we're going to sing, Jesus Loves Me. Those words should make us feel great inside. should make us feel fuzzy and warm, like a blanket around us. To know that, yes, Jesus loves me. Because it says so in the Bible. Because Jesus told us, and through the power of the Holy Spirit, our sins are forgiven. There's actually several other passages before the several other stories before this particular reading that I invite you to go back when you get back home and read in the book of Luke, the eighteenth chapter. There's several other interesting stories in there as well. Read those stories. I think there's about three, four of them in there that have different different types and they're really interesting. All kind of clustered together. That could be your assignment when you go home. Read the Bible. Yes. That's Quite uncanny, yeah. Read the Bible. Wow, that's something different. For some people, they don't read. They're more engrossed on TV. They're more engrossed in. They would rather, you know, what is? They don't even know what TV is anymore. Everything's on the phone. You watch stuff on the phone. But yet, still, is the Bible. This is the written word of God. This is our instruction manual. This is how we are to live out our lives every day. And may the grace of God, which surpasses our understanding, keep our hearts and minds in the true Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.